to Tinue, a King Killer fan podcast where we talk about all of the works related to Patrick Rothfuss. If you haven't read the books, you should go out and do that because this is going to be a pretty spoiler-heavy episode. We're discussing Denna, focusing on the wise man's fear. And today I have the same two guests as I did to explore Denna in the Name of the Wind, Hannah. Hello. And Jeff. Hello. How's the road to Tinue, guys? Pretty good. good. Yeah. <laughs> the road is clear. The road is cold, but still clear. I'm trying to imagine what that's a euphemism for, because it's supposed to be slang, like, what's up? I'm like, ah, the road is cold. Does that mean, like, are you having relationship problems, or you're physically <laughs> cold? Well, that's what it's, that's like a Lodin's class. It's not meant to be fully answered right. It's just <laughs> so you start thinking. Your answer is like a Lodin's class, or asking the road. To, what's how's the road to Tinue? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why I can never answer that question. Okay, that's fair. You can always just say, oh, "Not much. It's good. It's fine." <laughs> I think it's clear is the best answer. Like when you ask what's up, you say not much. Usually, that's the most mm-hmm. common answer I hear. I think. How's the road to Timinue? Oh, it's clear. I feel like that could be a bad sign, though, too. Because if the road is completely clear, it's like you know something really horrible has happened. Mm, I don't know. I just imagine, like, not necessarily empty clear, but... Okay. Like, the weather's fair. Maybe the road is fair. Like, the weather's fair. There's not a lot of congestion. You can move along at a pretty good pace. Well, the issue is sometimes when that question's asked, people answered truthfully like I, I wasn't going to Tinue <laughs> or oh there's robbers out <laughs> are we ready to dive into this I think so let's get yeah. at it hopefully this will be an easier question than how's the road to Tinue <laughs> <laughs> we open in wise man's fear we're at the Aeolian Kvothe is doing his uh, habitual walkthrough, looking for his lady love. And who should he find but like a dog chasing a car, finally catching her? Denna. On the Uh, arms of a Modegan gentleman. True Modegan gentleman. True Modegan. A Lord Kellen. Thoughts about this interaction, the good times they had? Her dropping her ear, dropping. Oh yeah, that, that was when she dropped it, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to think, what was like the main difference on this boy that I think that came across in the book was he was like she described him as a true gentleman, like he understands that a gift is a gift, and that even when he practically dumps her and kicks her out of the inn and all that stuff that he allows her to keep the gifts because that's what they were. He wasn't giving them as a further payment for something else. Those were a legit gift. He was the one that was supposed to teach her harp too, wasn't it? 
he seems like a different breed of gentleman that she usually goes out with. But, of course, it doesn't work out in the end because I think she describes it as she has to wait in her room for him to call on her. And she feels locked. She feels trapped. And that's obviously that's not what the predicament she wants to be. But the thing is, she stayed there until he got fed up with how many gentlemen callers she had. So who, long, who knows how long she would have stayed. I mean, she's kind of in that thing like he was teaching her harp. So maybe she figured that at least that was a decent trade-off for her having to be locked up for a while. She's willing to stay in a bad situation to learn something she really wants to know. Yep. I think that's I think that's what that whole interaction kind of showed. And it wasn't until he dumped her that the whole thing was kind of over. So Kvoth goes to her rooms at the inn. What's the name? Do we remember the name of the inn? I didn't write that down. The Prancing I don't Pony. Think that's, that's that <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to the inn and she has a guest. Mm-hmm. I like this guest. It's Jeffrey. Je- uh, yeah. I have a couple things about Jeffrey. The only thing I can see about him, like, uh, he leaves, he's very kind-hearted, and Kavoth sees that he is was from money, and but he hasn't had some in a long while because he's being a little disheveled, but his clothes are still fine. Jenna kind of, after he leaves and stuff, she not, like, not insults him, but she, like, kind of puts him down as a dummy or an idiot when, after she explains it, he is just simply a incredibly trusting, decent person. So, and which I I understand where she's coming from on that point, because, like, if you don't have (laughs) the amount of street smarts to, you know, survive in the world... But it's still, I felt kind of bad for him that she was literally putting him down for just being a decent person. I didn't think she was insulting him so much as she was frustrated by his lack of street smarts and the situation that it had sort of forced him into more than she was, like, actually insulting him. It's like, if one of your friends is, like, a, a trusting idiot, you're like, ugh, trusting idiot? Like, why would she believe that? Why would he believe that? And it's not that you don't like them or that it's that you're frustrated that their trust got them in trouble. True. Like, I don't think she doesn't like him or anything. It's more just like, you know, when he left, she kind of just started bad-mouthing him a little bit. And it kind of just makes me a little sad that it sucks to be him, such a, a decent guy, and he just gets pooed on by everybody there. But it's nice that Dennis, like, you know, she's helping. Like, she gets him out of debt with Debbie with her uh, earrings. So that's at least one minor mystery solved when... uh saying he went to a galet and uh and of all the galets you had to choose i don't see debbie do like what would debbie do with that i the guess earrings? uh no not with the earrings but like debbie with seems him. to be in practice with putting the students in debt but i guess she wouldn't turn away uh someone from nobility i'm sure she could find some sort of secrets from him yeah because we don't know that debbie doesn't she trades act- in favors mm-hmm. yeah she wants the favors Modigan nobility, I'm sure, could get her access to things that other people couldn't. Is just Jeffrey Modigan? As... I don't think it was oh, Modigan. Oh, no, he wasn't Modigan. He was just nobility. The other one. Okay. But any sort of nobility, I'm sure, can get her access to things. Yep. And he was probably trusting enough that 
three drops of blood was no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure, why do you want this? <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I got on Jeffrey. Yeah, we don't see him after that. But uh, that is why that's, she does explain that that's why uh, Kellen does eventually leave and leave her behind because she has Jeffrey come over too often. Well, Jeffrey which, and Kvothe and any well, other men. I think when when she explains it to Kvothe, she very specifically, it's not necessarily Kvothe. It's just, she says it's mostly just Jeffrey who is coming over. So I don't think she was like uh, calling other men. I think she was pretty... Not happy, but content at the moment in her rooms. What did you think about the bell and the sigildry on the bell? And Quoth being like, oh my god, what a waste of magic. <laughs> or what did he say? I've never seen such a frivolous use. Uh-huh. I, uh, I thought it was interesting because it kind of opens the door for Denna to ask later about the written magic. Yeah. I know that doesn't come up until later, but I think yeah. seeing the sigildry and knowing that that's a part of it opens the door for her to believe in well, that written kinda, magic and then ask about it later. Yeah, that kind of shows her, like, he, he like oh, that little symbol right there that kind of puts it in her head that written magic could be something real. So then I'm, I'm assuming when someone else talks to her about it, she, mm-hmm. she believes that's it. What she's thinking. So that's probably why she goes back to Kavoth and his friends to get more information on it. They have chocolate. They have hot chocolate. They chat a little bit more. He leaves. Uh, he comes back and nobody's home. He can't yeah. find her. The next time he sees her is Ventus. Yeah? Uh... No, because I think after that, uh, they, they, he sees her sometimes. Oh no, because after that, she dates Ambrose. Ah, so he sees her and is disgusted. It is absolutely disgusted. Like, the thing is, like, he goes to look for her and he sees her, but then he sees her on the arm of Ambrose and instantly turns away and runs away. I think he meets her a few more times before she finally is just gone. Okay. Um, like, he sees her reading the letter, and I'm not sure if it's all at the same time period, but yeah, I think they see each other good, because she stays at that inn for a while. But I know somewhere in there she dates Ambrose for at least three times. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, some girls like a big head. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, at, at first you're just like, oh, God, how could she? But in the end, when she does explain it to him, she says she only goes on three dates with them, and each and every date got worse and worse. Yeah. Um, but No, still, I, I, I never really had the, the how could she moment. It was just, I was like, icky. <laughs> but I'm good. sure the side uh, that he showed her, at least at first, was not the same as the side he showed both, because he didn't want to try and sleep with both, presumably. No. So he was much less uh, pleasant from the beginning. Yeah. They run into each other a couple more times. Nothing spectacular really happens. Does he get a chance to say goodbye before he goes to Ventus, or does he leave a letter? He, I thought uh, he she, sent a letter. She leaves a letter for him, actually. Uh, well, that was, finds, that like, was before, though, that he missed the letter. Yeah, the but one in the window. Honest, doesn't he send a letter on the way to Ventus? 
to her to explain that he didn't no. get her other letter? He has no idea she's going to Ventus. I think he gets a letter from her after she leaves, and it's uh, from Yil. And she's uh, just saying, hey, I left. Sorry, I kind of skipped out on you. And uh, this is where I'm at now. I'm learning stuff. Woohoo! Cool. Guess who I'm rooming with? I'm not telling you. And it kind of ends there. But he, do- he has no <laughs> idea she's going to Ventus. Yeah. He has no idea. Okay. So then he goes to Ventus. Yep. He's shipwrecked and kidnapped by pirates, and exciting things happen that we don't know about. They're not important to the story. Not important. <laughs> and he runs into her. What happens uh, next? Yeah. Uh, he runs in, in, into her, surprisingly. Uh, what was it, at the horse lifts, I think? She's about to get off, and he's getting on, and they only have a split second to say hi to each other. But I, what I do remember from that scene is she sees him, lights up, and literally runs and hugs him, which was nice. Yeah. And so then you she... You can tell that at least some of what they feel is definitely reciprocated. Yeah. And then she goes back to her man's arm, and they go down. But uh, she says to meet him on whatever street she's on, and... Uh, I don't think he has any real particular problem finding her after that. Every time he goes down, he seems to find her. Which he delights in. He he says, like, hi, it was, I could every time. Yep. The uh, next time he sees her, though, and they're actually able to talk and stuff, there is a bruise on her temple. Uh, like, when she tries to move or something, she has, like, not maybe a broken rib, but, like, a bruised rib or something. And she specifically says she fell off a horse. Do we believe that? I do not believe that. I don't think both believes that either. I don't think he does either. All right, but do we believe it? I don't believe it. I do not. I shake my head. No. It's possible she fell off of a horse. I'm doing quotation marks. (laughs) But it's also possible she was riding a horse next to her patron, and her patron kicked her off the horse or something. I don't know. But um, Well, she also... To skip ahead a little bit, she talks about we all get ridden, so the horse isn't necessarily... That's true. It could be a metaphorical horse. Yeah. Or a gymnastics horse, because they're training her physically. <laughs> because later on, uh, she invites Kavoth to go riding, so I'm assuming she's like has been inventus and invited to go ride horses and stuff, because they do go riding, well, I'm not stuff, saying so. that she's never ridden a horse or she doesn't know how to ride horses, just that those specific injuries yeah. aren't necessarily from like... a four-legged equine. Well, that's what I think Kavoth said something along this, the same line, is that those injuries don't make a lot of sense for falling off of a horse. Yeah, I don't believe that. I believe those were injuries. Because later on, when they start arguing a little bit about her patron, and he tells her that he knows that he beats her... Because until then, they don't really talk about it, and she forgot everything they talked about in Trayvon. So when he tells her that he knows that he hits her, she goes absentmindedly and touches the bruise on her temple. And then, like, how do you know? How do you know that? Magic. (laughs) He could have said magic. No, and then he (laughs) tells her. But, uh, yeah, I think that's when she first realizes that some of those lies aren't going to work with Kavos. Can't lie to a liar. So, important things that happen in Ventus. We have the the braid. Like, she's 
she has yellowish knots in her hair. Now, this is, uh, he mentions there's a braid in her hair because this is before he even learned how to read yellowish knots. Uh, ah, yeah. okay. But he just mentions that her hair is now braided. And this is the first time that a braid was even mentioned. Okay. And also, he follows her. That's one of the most interesting scenes to me, that when he follows her and you get to see her conversation with the girl, I feel like you see more of Denna than we're used to seeing. You know what's actually the weirdest thing I pulled from that whole story? Was he starts following her, right? And she does this weird thing to where she, like, she looks around and starts going in one way. And then, like, she looks down an alley and, like, tilts her head as if she's listening. And then she goes down and then, but it's, like, 20 minutes away, she keeps walking, 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 to where I don't think, like, any normal person would be able to, like, pinpoint where this assault is going on. But she's able to, like, hone in on it in some weird magical way. I don't know if it's a magic thing or something else, but it just seemed weird how she was able to find the girl. Did you guys pick up pick up on that at all? Because it wasn't, like, right around the corner. They were walking for a little while, and the whole time she was, like, not making any wrong turns. She was going straight towards it. I found that weird. Maybe she'd been watching the girl for a while. Or the guy. Or the guy. Or the guy. That had been my assumption, that she sort of knew that guy or even just guys around him that are similar and had been watching him. So when, I don't know how she would have been tipped off to it, though. Yeah, that's a, that's that the whole thing that kind of confuses me. Because she, like, gets out of the room, like, she leaves the inn, like, determined, like, I'm going. And then does, like, uh, like, she acts as if she's, like, listening for it. So she, like, somehow, like, knows something's going to happen, knows where it's going to, I don't. And I think that's the weirdest thing that I pulled from that whole scene. Like, everything else is also very interesting, and we'll get there. But that was definitely the first thing I picked up on that. that See, and I never really thought she was listening for anything. Like, I just thought she was kind of making sure she wasn't followed. It could, like, I, from what I, in my notes and stuff, it, it I've written down that it, like, Kavoth watches her, and it looks like she's putting her ear to the air or, like, actually trying to listen. Hmm. I was going to say, maybe the man was her patron and they were setting this up together. But no, he's bald and her patron has white hair. Glamour. It's Cinder. Don't you it's remember? It's true. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we can talk about her whole... Uh... That is definitely the conversation that made me think that she is a lady, as both father would say. I feel like in a way it's like the scene that made me understand who she is a little more, especially when she says like, this is worse than looking in the mirror. You kind of know that at some point in the past, like she was this girl basically. Yeah. But this girl didn't, wasn't nobility or anything. But that doesn't mean they didn't end up in the same position. No. I don't see it as any like proof of Denna being nobility in any way though. Mm-mm. Yeah, so it very clearly, like, shows how much knowledge she has of the escort trade, and mm-hmm. she's able to help her 
get into a house or a, you know, a, a brothel or help her get the money to get trained or help her do this and help her do that. She knows all the ways of doing that. But I like I don't put it past her that uh, she has tried this or tried that and has done her fair share of hand in it. That's like uh, before when she's describing to both the uh, different uh, rooks that you can like play on people, how she said she has mm-hmm. done them. She teaches them how to read the signs over the uh, pawn shops and stuff. This could be very much the same thing. And she is spreading her information on that. And uh, so what I hear from Denna during this whole thing is, you know, telling her that this girl needs to also know what her limit is, how far she wants to take this, and then also gives her advice on how to end it if the other doesn't wants to take it further. I think this was a very clear scene of just trying to describe what you know, Dunna not necessarily is doing at that exact moment, but her experiences as well. Mm-hmm. Before we go on, I have one other, like, pet theory about this scene. Yep. And this is only because I hate Ambrose a whole <laughs> bunch. But, uh, and here, I got a couple little bit of proofs and evidences, but uh, through the story and how they're talking, it comes up that the girl she's talking to's father is the stable hand to a baron. Okay, and uh, the reason she left and ran away is because the Baron's first son got a little handsy. Now, we know at this time that this is happening, the girl probably has has been run away for a couple span. During that time, Ambrose would not have been at the university, would have been at home. So my pet theory is this firstborn was Ambrose. Yeah, I could buy that. Maybe, yeah. Especially, uh, well, we've seen how he acts with women who don't want to give him his way. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine that he was in a particularly foul mood after having to leave the university for even just for a term. Well, and that's like, and that's also him treating people that he thinks that are a little bit higher rank. Who knows how he'll treat, you know, a stable. Yeah. I'm assuming a lot worse. Yeah. That's just a pet theory of mine. It has some legs. Yeah, yeah. It could stand up. It could stand up to a little bit. The big thing that happens in Vintus is she's writing a song that she sings for Quoth, and it doesn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to her room, and she's finished it. And they briefly talk about her patron, because mm-hmm. he offers to hook her up with the mayor. And she's like, hey, yep. we're going to save it, because mm-hmm. the patron is another discussion. We're going to move on to the song, which she sings with her harp. Yep. And is, it's about Laudre and Lyra. And thoughts, feelings? That's one of the scenes where I am like, okay, both you are an idiot. <laughs> You could not handle this worse. What are you doing? And there are a couple of them. The other one where I get really frustrated is later and doesn't have anything to do with Denna, but when he's dealing with uh, Meloin. But this was like the first, well, yeah, the first one where I was just like, you're doing this all wrong. And I understand why he did it all wrong. Like it was an emotional situation and he didn't know how to respond, but it still just drove me so nuts to read. I think the issue, like, 
he's listening to the song and like he is literally like his hands are shaking and he I can't even imagine like when she stops playing and he is quiet and his hands are shaking and he doesn't know what to say and the first thing out of his mouth is the the name of the city was wrong <laughs> and she obviously gets a little like uh, what are you going to aren't you going to talk about my song or something like and it's the thing that i got here is like she knows Kavoth, right like she knows this is kind of an abnormal he's acting abnormally right like i know she really wants him to listen to the song and give him his credit but she knows that he's acting abnormally about it she's never had to ask him for his input before though so as far as she knows like that's how he acts anytime he's telling a musician that their song sucks well he didn't even say that yet all all he said was the name of the city was wrong and then he said like he does, he never said the song sucked at all he said the story's off that's not the type i heard and then she gets a little mad at him because she thought this was a brand new, like, untapped vessel of songs. I think that was something that she felt, like, pride in. And she got a little mad knowing that, you know, Kavoth of all people has already heard this. But what got me was, like, when he finally, like, they're kind of, it's the tensions building, building, building between them. And he finally says that Lanray was a traitor and he turned into one of the Chandrin. What drives me nuts about that is she after that she calls him a child for saying he was one of the chandrin which drives me nuts for two reasons because that was literally like the worst thing you could have called him at that point like he is literally about to tell her his soul his but she didn't know that i know she didn't know that but like that's not her fault for calling him that, as in, but that was literally the worst thing. Plus, it drives me nuts. She has seen the Chandran. She has seen them. She saw them around the fire at the Moth and Farm. She saw all their signs. When they were walking through the damn farm and walking around and talking, she was perfectly okay believing the Chandran were real and that they had done that to them. But now she calls him a child for believing the Chandran? What's with that? She also doesn't seem to have very well-defined memories of that time, probably because of the uh, huge amount of dinner resin that she ingested. So I don't think that you can hold her lack of memory of this, like, drug-addled time together she against wasn't her. When they, that was, like, the full day before that, though. Does dinner resin alter your memory days before you take it? I, I mean, would, we I don't, don't know, but I've read stories in the real world of people waking up after benders and not remembering what happened even days before the bender. So, I mean, especially if what you, what happened was kind of unbelievable anyway, I can see why her mind would have just sort of like written all of that off. After that all goes down, after she calls him a child, they literally start just yelling at each other at that point. And it comes out that, uh, she she was very prideful of this song, which she says her patron literally helped her put the stories together and find the books and all that stuff. 
And this is the first time she, like, mentions any specific details about him, which we can get into that later. So she was very proud that she, you know, did this all by herself and to have it come smashing down that somebody else already knew it. I can see how she'd be, she could be angry. But, um, like, just her calling him a child was, like, just such a bad sting. And that was before he, like, he hadn't insulted her yet. He was just telling her. Well, to call I mean, I mean, that's a little bit insulting. insulting yeah. To not say something. Yeah. Like not he didn't nice? straight up insult well, no. her, but his reaction was insulting. Yes. But the thing was, his reaction was incredibly awkward. She should have picked that up. Like she should have been able to pick up that he was not. I think she picked up that it was awkward, but. She got that it was, like, from her perspective, I feel like she thought that it was awkward because he didn't like it. Yeah. And so I think that the awkwardness just made it more upsetting to her because it's like, he doesn't like the song that I've been working on and I think is great and I'm really proud of. And he doesn't even feel like he can tell me that he doesn't like it. So he's being all weird. And I feel like that, in a way, it makes it worse. It's like, he's not even giving her constructive critique. He's so afraid of telling her that it sucks that instead he's just telling her that but the meter is going to be wrong when he fixes the name of the city. That's the thing, though. Like, nothing he said said, like, he, in fact, the song, he says the song's good. The song was great. People would sing it for hundreds of years. Did he say that, that out loud, he or did he just her. say that? No, of course not out loud, but, like... Yeah, that's not helping to her. That doesn't make her feel less insulted. Like, the thing was, if, if like, Kavoth would have played her a brand new song, and she just sat there in silence, and, like, he would have been like, well, what's wrong? What's wrong? Or he, like, he would he have, have, though? Because they both really would. suck at communication. I, I could I could see him doing that. Like, if she was, like, said something about, oh, the name is wrong, and he'd be like, oh, really? Well, how? Well, what? I After think that. you are projecting onto Kvothe a little bit there. Maybe, but Especially it's about his music. <laughs> I think if he poured his soul into a song and then he played it for Denna, she's like, you got something wrong nope. there. He wasn't. He would be like, oh, I made it. He's not that humble. No. Yeah, but you got you got to kind of read it with the scene though. He didn't just go. Mm, he got the name of the town wrong. He was like shaking. He did. But he wasn't shaking until the end. He was just very still at the very beginning. He 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 had been weaving her like a grass crown or something, and he was just holding was a still. Ring. Grass, a ring. ring. Grass yeah. ring. So and then love. <laughs> he was just holding still. And then he was oh. like, uh, yeah. He gets, he gets more upset. He does start shaking. But at first, it's just still and awkward. Well, I think, too, if you've ever performed for people and been horribly nervous, it's like you're not really watching their reaction at first. You're noticing your own reaction and your own issues. And then he just reaffirmed all of her fears once he actually spoke. Yeah. And even just taking a long time. Yeah. You're showing something to someone whose music, a musical opinion at least, you respect. And you're like, so how did I do? And if somebody take, I don't know, maybe you guys are more confident than I am, but if I ask somebody, how was it? And they take a long time, I immediately start thinking like they're trying to find a nice way to say that it was terrible. Oh, God, what did I do wrong? Oh, no. 
Well, and then they do yeah, come out and say, too. you made a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, that just I suppose that just means she is not able to take criticism in the first place. Which, Musicians are not the, known for being able to take criticism. Any sort of performer, know, really, <laughs> that's not that something music, that they're known for. I've been told that my music sucks a million times. Maybe I'm just used to it. But I don't <laughs> I don't write pretty songs. So they argue, argue, and they both say some very nasty things to each other by that point. Oh god, he calls her he says uh, she's worse than a dog. Uh, well yeah, because they start arguing and they get on to the subject of her patron beating her. And uh one of his final things he says is like, Well, I'm sure your patron would love to piss on you. And that just starts the whole thing because, like, her whole argument, like, this is what frustrates me, too, is, like, Kavoth's entire relationship with her is him trying to prove that he's not trying to own her or not trying to push her into any sort of serious relation or not trying to do this. But not every trying to control time, her. Every time they get into an argument, she always tries to bring it around to, well, you're just trying to control me. You want to give me a patron. And I already got one of my own, but you want to be Kavoth who saves me and gets a patron for me. Like, that's her argument the whole time is, like, trying to blame him for trying to control her, trying to own her, trying to. And that frustrates me with because, because it's like, no, he's not. But that seems to be her only, like, thing to argue with him against. And this entire time they're arguing, he's like, listen, I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to help you. And she's like, no, you're trying to control me. When you're an independent person who's fought very hard for their independence, being constantly told I'm helping you can be very grating. Yes, it really can. And I think, too, that's her biggest fear is for everybody to want to sort of put her in this box. So, of course, that's what she jumps to because... Not because that's, like, her insult, but because that's what she's afraid he's trying to do. I mean, that's fine if that's her argument. It's a garbage argument, though. Like, he's literally arguing against her, telling her that he's trying to help, that her song is wrong, that these things are real, that her patron is beating her, and that's bad, and this and that. And her only argument is, you're trying to control me. Okay, but if I came to you, and I was like, Santa Claus is real, and he is evil, he is so f***. Evil, and you're singing this song all about how good he is, and he's gonna come down the chimney and help the children with candy and toys, and that is a lie. Are you going to believe me and take me seriously? I wouldn't yell at you. Well, that's because you're a nice guy and you're not a teenage <laughs> <I'm>... girl. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> as long as we got that on the podcast, we're good. Yeah, <laughs> you're not a teenage girl. I'll no, make I'm sure a nice everyone guy. knows. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps saying it's not true your story's wrong and she's like how could you possibly know that why are you saying that i had to work really hard to find any information and all of the information i have supports my story and that's where Kavos fault is too because like he even mentions that there's many things he could have said like when she said that he could have been like I know this because my parents were writing a song about this and they got killed for it. That might have made her pause for a second and be like, wait, what? <laughs> and that could have been, you know, they're explaining each other and everything. It would have been beautiful after that. But that's obviously still, you know, that 
how he describes it, the stone in his heart that is hard to get out. Kvothe is not a perfect person. That is his fault. He He did not do well in this argument by any standard, but from how I read it, Denna was the first one to insult him when she called him the child. Like, he was... Like, she was the first to throw that insult out there at him because he was trying to tell her the things that were wrong with the song. And to me, that kind of, I mean, that people do that. I I understand that. When you're getting your thing you just created crapped upon and told it's wrong and this needs to be changed, your first instinct is to insult or say, screw you or that. And it's not. Well, especially when it's. Sorry, continue. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, especially when it's something where, like you said, information on the Chandrian is not easy to find or on Lanre and Lyra and stories that old. So he's insisting with such certainty that that's not how it happened. She's like, this is a myth. Like, it's like mm-hmm. if I wrote a song about, well, you already said the Santa thing, but <laughs> any sort of mythological figure, people being like, no, the these facts are wrong. It's like, no, there are no facts. This isn't real. So I feel like in a way, at least if it were me and somebody was telling me, no, your facts are wrong. I'd be like, okay, you just hate this song. And you're trying to distract me from the fact that you hate this song with things that you couldn't possibly know because this is fiction. So I don't know. To me, him saying that that was wrong. Like that was kind of him throwing the first stones. Uh, I think, but the problem is that, he wasn't insulting her. He was making a statement of a sort. That's like if I brought a new he, game. He didn't to intend game, to, but he it was still insulting. To her, but I, I, I understand that. And, then, and that's all good. But her attitude towards it and her willingness and argument style of yelling at him that he's trying to control her. I don't like that. I mean, that's not good. By the time it gets to trying to control her, that's down the line. Like, the conversation has already devolved past the song at that point. After he brings up the Chandrian, and she starts laughing at him and calls her... She calls him a child. He almost calls her a whore. Oh, yeah. And she... It would not have been great. Yeah. Bad. She's... You think you know everything from the university. And he calls her a little girl. So, like, we're already away from the song. And we're into personal attacks. When they're talking about, idiot, I'm trying to help you. And then she's like, that's what it is. You're trying to fix me. Just like everybody else is trying to fix me. By dressing me up in the way they like. Because, like, when she meets, when they meet it back in Imre, she's wearing a Modegan-style dress. Yeah. So I imagine these men are constantly trying to shape her into their image of what she should be like. And mm-hmm. what she's feeling is that he's doing the same thing. He wants to be able to give her a patron that he thinks is worthy of her. He wants her to live this life that he sees for her. That's mm-hmm. not necessarily what Kvothe is doing, but that's what she could be interpreting it, it as. Yeah. And that's part of why she gets angry. And that's the weird thing. Like, she is refusing help from Kvothe. She's refusing, 
the mar- the mayor could have been a good patron for, her, but she refuses it because she has her own patron. But like we know, her patron is super shitty to her. Like, what is the patron doing right that is keeping her there? He obviously helped her put this song together and all that stuff, but like, what else could it be? Because like, it's got to be something huge. She mentions numerous times that she knows secrets that her as precious university wouldn't teach him. So he's obviously like teaching her, I don't know, not forbidden magic or something. I don't know, but like teaching her the secrets of the Emir. I don't think that it's real, but I think that she honestly believes in the written magic and that her patron has told her that he can teach her. And that's why she stays with him. Just like Fulce stays at the university despite being whipped publicly. It's the analogy that she makes. I think it's the same thing. Like, her patron has told her that he can do this and that he can teach her how to do this. And so she's going to stick with him until she is able to do this. And whether or not that kind of magic actually exists, I'm kind of iffy on. Like, I really don't think it does. But I think that she believes that it does. Two other things. One, are you a proud per? Like, do you consider yourself a proud person, Jeff? Not particularly, no. People who are very proud, and I, Denna, is a proud woman. Yeah. She did this on her own. And being told, but I can get you another one, is not going to endear anyone to her. And two, why does she stay with somebody who's terrible to her? Have you ever met somebody who's been in an abusive relationship? Yes. Or who grew up in an abusive household and then happens to be in more and more abusive relationships? Yeah. It's the exact same thing. I understand that. And and it all comes down to, like, I, I understand that she is definitely... She mentions it numerous times that she doesn't think she deserves anything good. Mm -hmm. She mentions it many times, like, this is what she deserves. She deserves a patron that beats her. She she doesn't deserve Kavoth being nice to her. And she mentions that many times, so that obviously is clearly pointing to her past self and her own emotional stuff. But, I don't know. It sucks. Like, I mean, I, I just, I can't even fathom... Like, uh, you know, what she what what she's willing to put up with for these secrets that she thinks she's going to learn. The thing with Kavoth is he's at the university and he is actively learning stuff. And mm-hmm. they whipped him twice. And they whipped him twice because he broke the rules. And they were written down rules. He broke them. He got whipped for it. Where it's not like he's going to the university and learning and Hem's coming up. And deciding to beat him bloody for no other reason. If that was happening, if a master was just straight up hitting him any chance they got and toyed with him the whole time. You know, so it's not necessarily the exact same thing. Him getting Oh, it's definitely not. And her but even patron. Like they use that later in the book to like I'm assuming Pat used that later in the book to try to make that like correlation that they're somewhat similar, but it's really not. They are not the same thing. I mean, he stayed in Ademra even though Vachette was beating him. Mm-hmm. And, he didn't, and he didn't know he was going to learn anything there. It was a test. 
Dennis could very easily be telling herself that this is a test. He needs to make sure that she's worthy of learning this. He needs to make sure that she's strong enough to learn this. I mean, when you really want something, it becomes easier and easier the more desperate you are for something to sort of write things off as, well, this is necessary. Yeah. And it's dangerous, but it's also... And it sucks. And I feel sorry for her, and that really does suck, and I wish... And all I wish is that she would take some help to get out of that situation, but... Well, I think you could say the same for both. Like, when he went to Davey, he talks about how he could ask friends for money, Mm -hmm. And he could ask friends for help, but of course he doesn't. Instead, he goes to a dangerous woman and puts himself in a completely untenable situation because that makes more sense to him than asking for help. True. All right. Are we done with that song? (laughs) (laughs) I like world builders a lot. I also like World Builders. Yay! Yeah. 